Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sachs. And I'm Lori Sachs. Today, in honor of Down Syndrome Awareness Month, we will be talking about what it means to do our part to change the perception of Down Syndrome. This is a topic that we tapped in on in our conversation with Eleanor Bagley, the author of Ava the Mermaid. Yeah, it's something that, as many parents that are listening to this, it may be the same. It's something that we obviously didn't dedicate time to until we had a child that had Down syndrome. But then we found ourselves in a place of witnessing injustices, um, inconsistencies uh, that we then took maybe more personally. And I think that was a decision uh, that we made to actually try to make a change in our community and, and in our society. Yes. Like you said, before Liam was born, we didn't really know anything about Down syndrome, except maybe a few stereotypes that were out there. But those stereotypes are really what are prevalent. And then when Liam was born, and I went to look for information, still it was just the stereotypes of limits. And it didn't leave much room for hope. So we have these conversations about the perceptions that are out there. And one thing that a light has really been shown on is our part in changing that perception. And, you know, we do this podcast in hopes of changing the perception of Down syndrome and putting information out there, not only just to everybody, to help parents, like information for you that I would have liked to have had when Liam was born, information about services or OT or milestones and all of that. But more personally, more accountability for myself is just my words because I have these beliefs and I've made these promises to Liam about raising that bar and supporting him and giving him a foundation to reach his potential and fighting as much as I have to just for his education one and that's a big place where we see the misperceptions that are made of our son. And I think that's when it becomes really apparent. Because honestly, when we're out in the world, we can choose to go down a different street. We don't have to go to that grocery store. We don't have to listen when people say stuff. We don't have to buy into or care about what other people think. I think when it comes to the school system, those perceptions have such an impact on our son that we are constantly having to prove him and ourselves. No one should have to go through their life having to prove who they are that all the time. I mean, if you are applying for a job and you want to prove you're the best candidate, that's one thing. But to prove your worth and value constantly is something that is, it doesn't feel good. And it's definitely not right, because everybody gets to live their life right? I get to live my life. And as soon as I walk out the door, I shouldn't be having to validate myself to you. But in the school system, when we're talking about the school system, it's from even preschool, because even the fact that Liam had to go to preschool, I wish I would have knew more then because I don't know, I think I would have just opted to get his services because I had all that bonding time with Sophia 
because <laughs> Sophia refused to go to preschool. Every so often she'd say, I'll check it out. And then she'd go to check it out and she'd say, not for me. And she got away with it. We decided, oh, okay, if that's what she wants. Because <laughs> that's not the fight I'm going to take because I enjoy <laughs> being with her, you know, and I, that wasn't the fight I was going to make. Um, I didn't want to have that struggle every day of dropping her off. And I knew if I waited till the first day of school when it was <laughs> she had to go, which she did say, I'm never going back. And I said, no, you are because you have to. It's the law. But even just the fact that Liam had to be entered into the school system at the age of three and we missed all that time with him. I think I might go back and do that differently, to be honest, and find a different way to support him on my own instead of just having that challenge right away and really being opened up to what those perceptions and some of the things that were said to me. I don't I don't know if I would make that choice, but since I did make that choice and you're in the school system and you start to see what people think Down syndrome means, and it's never, re- I don't think I've ever run into anybody on the outside that didn't actually have someone in their life that had Down syndrome that had an accurate view or shared my perception of Liam and his possibilities. So that's inevitably going to have, it's going to grain away or it has grained away a little bit. And it's not until, I guess just recently with the pandemic and having so much time for us to sit and talk that we've really come to understand our active role in changing that perception goes beyond, you know, putting this information out or doing this. It's a daily reminder to, you know, what words am I using, not only with Liam or for Liam or in the school system, but in my life, how am I talking? What thoughts do I really have? How have they changed? Or am I still on the same path? And it's and it's checking in to make sure that I'm definitely present in my communication. Elaborate on on present in your communication. That I'm present. Like, um, okay, recently what I realized, and it was, I think it was the day of the IEP or the day after the IEP. So you spend all this time prepping and doing all of this work and then you're in the IEP and you're all this time and all this. And I was doing an online order because we haven't gone into any grocery stores in the last six months. And Liam sat down beside me and he loves to participate in the order the grocery order, which is fun. And I stopped and I just looked at him and I felt like I hadn't looked at him. I hadn't seen him in a while. Does that make sense? I haven't seen him. Like I see him, but I haven't seen him because I'm usually doing something. I'm, I'm prepping something, I'm breaking down homework, uh, figuring out a support, making sure that when he's talking, make sure you articulate or repeat this or doing sign language or what there's always there's a, a, a mechanism, a thing that's being done. Well, it's probably a pretty common thing in life, no matter if you have someone with a disability or not in your household, that you're working a lot in the house and you can kind of get consumed by life and not be as present as you want to be. And you probably did you find yourself present and just kind of seeing him like taking the time and going, wait, and let that other part of the world slow down for a minute? Yeah, because there was more things that I had to do than just that list. But I took it as a time to have a conversation with him and check in. Like, are these goals that I'm pushing, are these my goals or are these Liam's goals? You know, he's 10. So the, the academic goals 
he's always going to say, I'd rather, you know, any, yeah. any like Sophia would He wants rather. to watch a movie or right. he wants to play with toys or something. Right. But am I actually present? Am I, there's, there's such a fine balance of, am I actually pushing him to his potential or am I pushing him to my idea of his potential? And I just sat with him and talked with him and, but really talked to him like really communicated with him, made eye contact, all those things that we do when we connect. And I realized, you know, like I said, with preschool, I had so much time with Sophia to connect and be there. But a lot of that time has been taken away just because of just the logistics of even all the services that he had received. A lot of that time was taken away. So that connection, that real connection of sitting and just even if it's just quiet, or talking, or discussing something without a goal, without some, I'm doing this to get this. I'm doing this because these are the words you have to say. I'm doing this. You know, it was just, we were there, and the pace slowed down, and I looked at him, and we were just talking. And I realized that I don't do that enough, and that there's a really good chance that I don't always see him. Or when was the last time that I actually saw him? And I hope that makes sense because, of course, I see him. But just saw him, was there with him, was present with him. Do you feel that with Sophia sometimes? Or did you no. feel that? No, I don't. I feel like I, even even as a teenager, even as she enters into a teenager, I feel like we have that connection because we had all those years of just making a connection. And it is a little different. You know, I'm not always just... I guess I'm not always just pushing her towards a goal. I'm able to be present with her. We're able to just go for long walks. And she talks about, you know, sometimes the same things over and over. Like it's just where, you know, she's just, I just let her talk. But with Liam, that doesn't, doesn't seem like, I don't really feel like I've gotten that with him. Like I've done that. I've taken that time. I've, so it's a new goal for me. If I knew then, I would take those moments of just, just like I got them all with so, with Sophia. One of my favorite memories of a visit with our friends, Aunt Kristen and Uncle Nathan, was walking in on a conversation that Kristen was having with Liam, where she was asking him questions and just talking to him. Well, you spend a lot of time working for him, mm-hmm. setting up things for him instead of working with him, mm-hmm. or you work with him, but that's still working, working for him. Right. But it's different to do, we're going to mm-hmm. do a speech therapy right now, than, hey, tell me about Iron Man. Yeah. Instead of, oh, he's pronouncing this right, or he knows this right. number, or he's adding this correctly, or he's reading this book. Academically, you look at him as, hey, let's talk. Yeah. Just like we're talking, just yeah. you know, and and uh, and it's not just because Sophia's older. You're saying this is something that you that is from well, the beginning. I agree. 10, I yeah, agree. we we would have conversations, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think well, that's that, that's what's very difficult about. Well, one of the things that's very difficult is you work really hard for your chil- your children, and you know it's up to you. No one else is doing it. Mm-hmm. And with a child with Down syndrome or another disability, possibly, um, the work could be more. And it also uh, seems a little more intense as a parent because, like I said, if you're not doing it, who else no is else doing is, it? Yeah. And you think of the things that we advocate for, no one else is going to advocate for it mm-hmm. unless we do or our community does because society just goes as the majority mm-hmm. and we're not in a majority of people. And so in that minority that we're in, 
often the people that are actually the minority don't have the voice to stand up. I mean, Liam's only 10 years old. He can't talk to the school board. No, not so, yet. Not yet, but we see adult advocates, and that's that's wonderful. But until then, the burden of change is set on parents, mainly, I'd say, and then also, you know, um, anybody close to, even educators that are close whoever to... Whoever takes on that responsibility. Right, whoever chooses, yeah. right? And so there are some parents that will not choose that road, and that's fine. That's, I mean, change happens. Mm-hmm. And there's some parents that really get involved in in but what they want to shape any that change. judgment, though, because no. I think, I mean, honestly, at the price of always pushing, you do lose those moments sometimes. I realize that now. Looking back, I realize that I've lost some moments because you have a finite amount of time. You have an hour. Are you going, you know, you that hour needs to be implementing a service, doing the schoolwork, because schoolwork is about reputation and, and working more on one thing takes up the time instead of just having that walk around the block. I got to tell you, one of the best moments last week, Liam and I went for a walk around the block because he wanted to walk and it was late and dark. And I said, well, let's do it in the morning. We'll wake up early. And in the morning. Well, a morning where sometimes it's difficult to get things going. Yeah. Yeah. And you just mentioned, hey, you want to walk? Boom, he popped out of bed, didn't he? Right. And it was Mm beautiful. You know why it's beautiful? Because honestly, there's a part of me you know, the reason why we don't walk at night is because not everybody in our neighborhood wears a mask. And at night, I can't see necessarily how w- them coming all the time, especially if I'm in a conversation. And I just, there's too many unknowns. And I don't want to put myself in a situation that's just not a good situation. So I said, we'll walk in the morning. And there was a part of me that as a parent, like my heart ached a little going, oh, please remember, you know, or will he want to or whatever it was. And there was a part of me that knew I was taking a chance or felt like I didn't know it. I felt like I was taking a chance just saying, okay, we'll do, how about we do it tomorrow morning? And it was almost a test, right? Because it's the same thing I would have said to Sophia. And I'm such a big person on, I'm going to do for Liam the same things I do for Sophia. And I, and it was a chance I was taking Mm -hmm. because he's 10 now. And that's something that I can't, you know, that's now we're getting into years where I can do stuff that I did with Sophia. But there was a part of me that when I woke up and I'm like, all right, because I went, I had a conversation with him about, you know, you might say you're too tired in the morning or you might this. And he was like, nope, we'll walk. And the joy that I felt just even when he got up and he wanted to walk and in his pajamas, he just put on his shoes. And it was really a great moment of just walking with him around the block. First we sang and just not having anything else in my mind just to be with him and to enjoy that walk and whatever had to be done or whatever needed to be done or the schoolwork that lie ahead, none of that. I didn't bring any of it with me. I just said, we're going to walk just like I do with Sophia. And it was pretty outstanding. It was such, it's, it was such a fabulous moment. And it really, I think it put both of our days you know, and I think he felt that like, he know, like there's, you know, we don't talk about, do you feel like you connected with mom today? We don't talk about that, but I felt like it was a milestone for me. I feel like you get these and we get these moments in the summer. We take, you know, a nice summer time to off to, to really spend with each other. But the school year gets so bogged up with work. I mean, like that's usually the time we work as adults as well. So we usually get summers off. So we do get to indulge in that summer, but we work or you're working right now. 
and it can really strangle that connection sometimes. Yeah, I, I think though in the summer too, like Liam is always working. He's always working. Yeah. And it's kind of what motivates Sophia because she can't say Liam doesn't do anything because Liam is one of the, I mean, he's one yeah. of the hardest working people in the house. He's always working. And that was one of the points that we made in our IEP is when they're trying to say, oh, well, he can't sit still in it. It's just like, no, that's garbage. Liam works. He works really hard. You put a bar up for him and he really reaches it. And, you know, he has the ins and out of any 10 year old where sometimes he just doesn't want to do it. And that's understandable. But of course, they, especially but, how much we're putting on his plate. Oh, but it doesn't happen often. And also in a pandemic, when you take, we don't, we haven't even factored in the impact of a pandemic of not being around his friends or in a social setting or any of that. Right. They both There's, transitioned to that. Yeah. So rare, we've been very fortunate. Been but so those were two different things as far as my perception that when I stopped and got still, I can say, what is really my perception? Uh, am I really following these words or, or have I just found a sound bite and I keep repeating it because it, it does become a sound because it is like you say it so often, especially every year in your IEP, and no matter how many times you have an IEP or whatever, you're just saying it. So am I living it? Is it really how I feel? Uh, we've had some really great guests on the show, like Ed Casagrandes from... Right, he was from the Canadian Down Syndrome and, Society. And he's working he with, with Google, Google AI. To, mm-hmm. to do uh, the AI. And I remember speaking with him and his daughter is younger than Liam. And he even corrected me. I noticed that I, I spoke with some limits, even though I don't feel like I live with any limits on Liam. And he corrected me. I can't tell you the exact phrases. I could go back and listen. And I remember in those moments going, oh, yes. Oh, was it something, a, a phrase you had maybe set in your vernacular and then it kind of maybe. comes out and then, yeah, but then kind of, it, it guides your emotions. It guides your intentions. But it's sometimes. no longer appropriate. It's no right. longer significant because so many things have changed and Liam has gone beyond that. And society's gone beyond that. And we have this great community. And he kind of correct, like corrected it or said from where he comes from. And I was in that moment, I just, it was so inspiring because I, one, I was reminded and also like a breath of air was like blowing into my words. Because at the time, I think those words or thoughts were formed, they were very progressive. But now if we're really going to be progressive, this is the way we can think. Which is funny because you think that when you're pushing beyond limits and and uh, stereotypes and perceptions that you have this place that you're coming from, but then you can still settle. You can still settle. And if I'm not present, then progression passes me by. Are my words old? Or is my perception old? Do I need to blow some life into it? And am I, without thinking about it, still now putting different limits on him, mm-hmm. right? I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And and I think what's really prevalent is we go on these pages, these support groups. And most of the time I go on the support groups to see if there are questions or if there's any way that I can help. And a lot of times what you have seen in the past weeks are people speaking these limits from a long time ago these are yeah they're just words but they yeah these are words that seem so out of touch to me now but i think it shows that for the advocacy that we're doing as community we're not changing the community totally like it's not like we're all changing at one time like okay here we are we're we're all thinking alike i mean it there's still still buying into some of the things that we've been told yeah well because i think it takes these moments like you have with Ed, you know, there it takes moments we have together. It takes 
this affirmation of what we're doing for it to spread. That makes sense that we can say all we want to ourselves, but how do we change a community? I mean, we have to change our community, uh, Down syndrome community to then see an ultimate change in society. Right. And that's all going to come at a different pace that, you know, and it does come from this community. It comes from the words that we choose and what do we think about our siblings or children or friends? What do we really think and how do we speak that? And are we, and every time that we repeat some soundbite from some archaic belief of limitations or what's possible because that used to be, that's still a, that's a valid question for anyone. Will they be able to? I think about Sophia. Will she be able to? Yeah, that's but any that's child. A, that's any child, but it that question bears so much more weight in our community. Yes. And, I, and what sometimes makes me sad is the constant belief that there's so much that we can't do, right? And I see it and I hear it. And we have, I mean, just the people that we've interviewed, we have all these great stories, but they're not reaching everyone. So there's still people who, will my, will my child drive a car? Can my child get married? Can they have all these things? And yes, 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 they can. And I think that's what we were talking about, Eleanor Bagley, when we had that conversation is, yes, the answer is yes. And we have to start believing yes. Well, on the flip side, I think words can become this redundancy of positivity, possibly, that doesn't actually have traction. I mean, even in a, for a typical kid, your kid can do anything they put their mind to. Those are just words that parents say sometimes. But they are true words. Totally true. But I'm saying the parents don't always find it true. And so then where's the traction? Right. So if even our community can say, oh, yeah, I believe my child can do anything. But then there's the doubts. And, and even when you say, well, there like are me, these like cases, I, right? There are right? these cases of, of a child uh, or, or an adult speaking in front of Congress, doing an Ironman, getting a driver's license, getting married, going to college, having many? a child. Exactly. But it still is thought of from these parents as, a, well, that's the, that's like saying, well, of course, there's someone's going to be president or and going, going to that, be a, a professional football player. But that. Probably not gonna be my kid. You know, that's the thought. So that is where we can lose our traction and and we truly don't believe it. I think we say the words as I'm just talking as a community. I truly believe it. We've met too many people to not believe that. But here it is though. But to believe it and then to live it. Because I said that's what I was just saying about my experience mm-hmm. is I believe it and then sometimes I still go, Oh gosh, I haven't really been living it. I haven't we I had to take that moment to stop and connect. Then, is as the Oprah aha moments where you like you see Liam for who he is, you know, really see him, and then you hear a guest slightly correct your words, and you go, "Wait, am I really coming from where I'm?" Like just a step back. I think that's so healthy mm-hmm. in every aspect aspect of your life. But to actually talk about it now too isn't, and, and if we can spread that word of just yes, let's take because it's moment. a process. It's not we're not perfect. We're we're finding this process. We have. We have an intention, and our intention is to give Liam a solid foundation to believe that he can do anything he sets his mind to, to knock down the barriers that are put up there by these perceptions that are, are misperceptions, mis- misconceptions. And that is my ultimate intention, but sometimes I have to step back and stop and, and think, am I living that? Yes, because that's when you say, am I just talking or am I, or am I believing and doing, right? Right. So, all the words you just used are words we've said literally hundreds of times on this podcast. 
<laughs> but <laughs> well, I do edit words? these episodes, oh. but <laughs> that's how we talk out of these podcasts too. And that's how we talk to our friends. But when does when do those words sometimes lose their meaning because you say it so many times, right? We have to step back and, and actually present and be present and, right. and believe them and re reaffirm. So then you can advocate with this whole new fresh feeling of yes, I'm re-energized to understand these words are true. I'm not just yap yap saying them. Initially saying it's okay them. to yap yap. Yes, say initially at saying them. Yap, well, that's the thing is at least when you're yap yap saying that these are the words you're yap yap saying. Exactly, and your and what's that does spread a good positive energy to other people, and it it, it reaffirms for yourself. But you still need to take the conscious moments of understanding those words. To those words. And really I'm so glad you brought this up. And the truth is, is that if we as a community, if I if I don't believe it, if I speak other words, how am I going to change the perception from for the outside? Do you know what I mean? I can't. You can't change anybody else's mind. They have to change it. So, so my words are so important. The way I speak. Do I go? Well, we'll see. A great example is. Chris Nickick and our interview with his parents, I mean, his father believed in the definition of special that was placed on Chris and people treated him special. And it wasn't until he, he changed the way he, he saw and talked about his son that he began to see, see Chris's ability. I mean, Chris is, is now training to run an, an, an Ironman. He's already completed a half Ironman, um, you know, that's why I think some of the, the pages that I see people writing that, I mean, there were some pages where a grandparent said, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. And it's so sad to me because like we're watching the family stone. This is a good example. And, you know, they're at the dinner table and in that's in that story, one of the sons is deaf and has a partner a same-sex partner and Sarah Jessica Parker is talking to the mom and the mom says, I wish all of my children were gay. And um, Sarah Jessica Parker goes, you don't really wish that, do you? I mean, you, nobody would really wish that on there. And, you know, it, I, I love that moment because Diane Keaton's reaction is like, stop and they just tell her to stop because from the outside this person is going you don't really wish them to have those challenges do you and it comes from such a place of not understanding that one we all have challenges so you can't just look at something a situation that's different and and say I wouldn't wish that on anyone because you're you're obliterating an entire life and experience like of this is a beautiful life and, and beautiful human. And they just have maybe challenges that are a little different. And grandparents are far enough out of it sometimes that they aren't just They're gonna thinking a- of, the, of the welfare of the grandchild. They have their kids. They're probably saying, oh, I didn't want this for them because they're not totally experiencing Down syndrome. No, they're just experienced from the outside. And they're probably experiencing a lot of the perceptions from their friends and their community. You know, and so there's a whole there's a whole bunch of uh, definitely reasons that people on the outside might say these words. But the reason I love it in that movie is because it points out that that is one of the most inappropriate things that you can say from the outside is I wouldn't wish that on anybody because you don't even know. But what would you wish on someone? Would you not wish a joyous life? 
Would you not wish this, this beautiful relationship and this journey that is so... But people have to relinquish so much to get to that point. They have to relinquish so but much of their of yeah. their thoughts, how they grew up with what life to, is supposed if, to be. Then don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say. And what I think about is how does that affect the kids and the parents and the grandchildren? And even if it's not grandparents, could because it, it could be a family friend. It could be your best friend. It could be anybody. But when those words are spoken, now the parent or whatever the relation is, or the person themselves. They're, now they have to carry that, that burden of this outside perception, and then that becomes a little bit of their words. So maybe they speak with those words. So those words kind of, um, there's an infestation of this negativity, and then that's what keeps us bound to those limited perceptions. Well, and, and then also on the flip side, again, I always see, I'll see parents as well say similar things because, and they're, yes. they're looking sometimes they're looking for just yes me too and that and to me i think maybe some of that can be healthy just a rec- yes, of recognition course. of Absolutely. yes we're all in this boat together but but there needs to be a balance because if we just spiral down into that i know then we're not making progress right. if we do that we're and just going to, to get even deeper into this depression or this feeling of negativity. So yes, I've been there. I've been there. You say something that, hey, I just wish this, right? Sometimes I feel this, and it's and it's a negative thing. Yes, I'm with you. I feel that sometimes too. I have felt that. But you have to say, I, I think there needs to be, it's a healthy to say, but. It's a moment. This is a moment, and we can move past that, and we can see the, the, the positivity, and we can move toward making a change. Right. If that's not said, we're not making progress as right, a community. Right, as a community. I 100% believe that. And I've plenty of times responded on, on different support pages of, yes, I felt that too. Understand, though, there is a good message here. And I'll say it. And it may be even a, an example from a podcast or example from my own life. And I've had positive feedback from that. But I've also had a lot of wait, I'm just here or that person's just here to, to just vent and can't we all just say yeah and some somehow sometimes that but feels like they're being judged for what they're saying and that's not judging at all. It's that we need to raise our we need entire to lift each community. Other up. Uh, yeah, we and have to raise each other. We're, but we're a community and the thing is, is those thought patterns, one, no judgment at all. We all have challenging days. We all have, but just know that's with any child. That's with any relationship. Those are all challenges. But if we get stuck in the challenge part of it, that's what continues to propagate the stereotypes. And it's not fair. Like everybody is allowed to express themselves. So if someone who's stuck in the muck and the mire, and then you come with a yes, absolutely. I know we all have those hard days. Just know this. Or I, I know some people have said, you know, if you keep believing that, then how do you expect your child to achieve anything but what you believe because you believe for them first? I think that's a conversation and I because I think it's a two-way that, street. That's and the tightrope conversation. 
maybe my positive, maybe I know I'm hopelessly optimistic in all areas. I'm hopelessly optimistic when the weather says it's going to be 120, that I'll find a way to keep cool or there'll be a breeze. I know that. And I know it's annoying sometimes to people. I'm, I'm not trying to change anybody, but the ramifications of somebody just propagating the challenges of it all are on the entire community. And then the propagation of those stereotypes that we're constantly trying to break. Yes. I've said it so many times. I, I would never tell a typical child, mine or another child, that they can't do something. And it's something that we've all accepted as society. You don't say you can't do it. You say you can if you work hard enough. Or you say, okay, even in your mind, if you say, there's no way that this kid is qualified to do this when they grow up. I just don't see you're not going to be the next Einstein. Sorry. Right? You could they think could that in your though. mind. But yes, you could. They could. But if you tell them they can't, darn sure they're, they're not. not going to be. So we right? need to transfer that into children that learn differently. We need to or transfer Or anybody that. who's different. We can't. I think, I think it goes across the board. One, we're all different. But our words are seeds that get planted. And I'm so cautious when I talk to Sophia about anything. Like I'm very mindful of what I say. I'm very, very mindful. The tone I use, the words I choose, those are seeds that get planted in her. And sometimes I even go, hey, I'm going to say this wrong, maybe. So what I want you to really get from it is this. And I apologize if I'm not using the right words. Because I want her to know. And it's the same way I need to approach Liam. And it's the same way that I do approach Liam. You know, like I just said, I'm just finally to the point where I'm taking the moments to actually put everything aside and have those conversations. But it is the same way. Those seeds will take place. And if I don't believe for him, then he won't believe for him. And by the time he gets to the point where he can make that choice on his own, he's already got so many seeds planted in him that make him think that he can't do it. Then it's going to be really hard to uproot that, that thought pattern. I really don't want to offend anybody and I and by no means am I ever judging anyone because being a parent is just a challenge no matter what. That is that is a a different journey for everyone and everybody does what is best for their kid. But this what we're talking about today is our part how deep our part is in changing the perception of down syndrome to make more opportunities for the people that we love in our life that have Down syndrome. And part of that is being mindful of what we speak. And even if your beliefs are one way, just being mindful of what we choose to put out there because our words have so much power. They have power to convince ourselves of something. So to keep that belief system going, to make other people think certain ways or to create an illusion or, or a to paint a picture of something. It's real power that we have, and we have the opportunity every time that we talk about Down syndrome in our experience. And in no way am I trying to pretend that there aren't challenges, so many challenges, and everybody has different challenges, but life in itself is challenging for everyone. Everybody has challenges. So if that's all we focus on when it comes to Down syndrome, then that's the, I mean, that is what I received when Liam was born. That's all that was out there were the challenges and not the beauty and not the real relationship and possibility and potential. None of that was out there. And I want to change that for 
for new parents and for new families. I want to change that for them. That's our responsibility as we move forward to make it better for the people who come behind us. It is our real responsibility as humans to lift each other. And if you're having a challenge, you can tap our inbox. We will try to lift you with our words and our experiences. And like we said, we don't have all the answers, but if you have questions, we'll try to find it for you. We will do our best because that's our community. We're all in this together and we all do affect, we affect each other. We, we have a profound impact as human beings on each other. We're working to change the negative perception of Down syndrome. We have that power and we participate in that event. We're not just bystanders. We are participants in that process. And know that with every word that you speak and every thought that you think, that power lies in you to choose your focus, to create a new perception, a more accurate, full perception of what Down syndrome is. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.